Welcome to the weekly podcast of Calvary Chapel, South London, a church where the truth of God's word meets and transforms the reality of our daily lives. We hope you are impacted by this week's teaching. Good afternoon and welcome to week four in the book of John. We are going to be in John chapter one, if you want to turn there with me. And our title for today's message is, I am not Superman. Remember, our, our, our theme for our book is Superman HD. HD standing for human and divine, with reference to the Lord Jesus. And today our topic is, I am not Superman. <clears throat> now, it's funny because at the beginning of this week and in the middle of this week, myself and my wife Helen had opportunity to bear testimony. So last Saturday, I went to Haywards Heath. I don't know if any of you have heard of a brother called Roger Carswell. His brother, sorry, his son, I think, runs, is it ten of those or is it a good book? Ten of those? And... He's a, an itinerant minister and travels all over the country like 48, sometimes 50 weeks a year doing missions. And he has this kind of outreach mission that, he's, that he calls Real Lives. And so he must have heard my testimony. I think it was on the Christianity Explored website. And he, he called me one day. This is a couple of years ago. And since then, probably about five or six times, I've had the privilege of him inviting me along. And I've been... Um, if you like, that in the subject of real lives with regards to different people sharing their testimony. But the point is, I'm not supposed to be the subject. Guess who's supposed to be the subject? It's supposed to be Jesus, and I'm supposed to be testifying about who he is and what he has done. So I got the privilege to go to Haywards Heath last week and share my testimony in that setting. On Thursday, the London City Mission invited my wife Helen to come in and, and take some photos for a magazine that they're putting together celebrating 180 years. <clears throat> and they heard her testimony here on our inauguration day and invited her to come and share her testimony. Not only for the magazine, but they've invited her, pray for her, They've invited her to go to the House of Commons and share her testimony. So, testimony. <clears throat> testimony. I and Helen were put on the spot and asked to share our testimony. Today we will see a similar yet more significant thing happen to John the Baptist. Let me take a moment to pray. Father, thank you that you give us the privilege again to meet in your name, to look at your word, which is life transforming. Father, thank you that it is alive, it's powerful, and it contributes to, 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 to making a drastic difference, Lord, when it comes in contact with the human heart. By the power of your spirit, Lord, would you work in such a way that our hearts would be changed and transformed, and Lord, that we would be helped to communicate, Lord, to stand up, to be a witness and to bear testimony with regards to the great things that Jesus has done in our lives. Lord, would you allow this message to contribute to that end? Um, for Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen. 
So, John chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verse 19 to 34. It says, and, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked John, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These, these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who, 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 who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. If last week was the Apostle John's description of Jesus' CV, and a very impressive CV it was, this next two weeks will be a confirmation of that. This week, John, he draws on corroborating testimony of John the Baptist. Next week, we'll meet Andrew, Simon, Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel. And they will, or fundamentally Nathaniel will also do the same. We're going to cover three weeks. So we're going to cover three days in two weeks. Verse 29, if you look at chapter 1, it says the next day. Verse 35, the next day. And verse 43, the next day. Three days we're going to cover over two weeks, two Sundays. Over the next fortnight. Today, whenever you hear the name John, it doesn't refer to the writer. He never refers to himself as John in in his book. Never. It's always someone other than himself. And up until now, John, the writer, has introduced John, the baptizer. And he's introduced him as a man sent from God, back in verse 6. Who would do what in verse 7? 
he would. I, I can't believe that Pastor E had to had to had to teach us and encourage us how to clap earlier. What is that about? Now I'm asking you a question, and no one ain't trying to respond. I mean, you ain't got a Bible out of how many holy people that are in here, or let me let me see if I can ask that question again. We see that in verse six that John is a man sent from God, right? Who would do what in verse seven? Thank you. He would bear witness. He would bear testimony about who? About the light and about the word who has become flesh. Can you see that in verse 7 and also in verse 15? That John the baptizer came to be a witness who bore testimony about Jesus. Verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? Okay, so here we are at the beginning of John's narrative, right? Now, if you like, we're beginning to pick up the story. Verse 1 to 18, Pastor E dealt with it, was the prologue. And the prologue is a little bit like the beginning of a film, right? It's like the first 30 seconds to summarize all all of the relevant backstory... Just in 30 seconds at the beginning of the film, right? As it relates to the, to the present story that's about to be unfolded. Here in verse 19, the story begins to unfold. Verse 19 says that a delegation of priests and Levites were sent all the way from Jerusalem. And their question, their question to John is, who are you? And John will tell them who he isn't before he tells them who he is. He says, I, he says, I am. And that's significant, isn't it? Because it's similar to what Jesus is going to say about himself. But John says, I am not Superman. I am not the Christ. Now, Jews, priests, and Levites, like, who are these guys? And let's start with the Jews. <clears throat> there are over 70 references in this book to the Jews. Infrequently, right? not often, it's a reference to God's people in a general historic sense. So you hear the Lord Jesus in John chapter 4 talk about salvation is from who? The Jews. Generally God's people historically, right? Again, infrequently, you will hear this reference... A selection of Jewish people, kind of specifically. So in John chapter 8, Jesus makes reference to a group of Jews who believed in him. Infrequently you hear references like that with regards to the Jews. But frequently, like 90% of the time, it's a reference to those who were antagonistic toward Jesus. The Jews grumbled about him. The Jews were persecuting him. The Jews picked up stones to stone him. The Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. The Jews. These who send this delegation are a group of kind of senior religious officials and they're based in Jerusalem. Right? Sanhedrin. And more specifically, they're a group within this religious government called the who? It's actually the Pharisees. So you've got, you've got the two main groups, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. We know it's the Pharisees. 
because we hear them reference in verse 24. And we'll come back to these Pharisees in a minute. All of these officials were Jewish and all were from which tribe? Levi. They were Levites. Now, all priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. You had to be from a family of priests. And not all priests were high priests. You had to be the son of a preceding high priest. At this point, it should be mentioned that John, he would have been able to identify with this group. Why? Because he was a Levite, right? And he, he himself could have been one of them, not just a Levite, but actually also a priest. Because he was a Levite from a priestly family. Remember his father? Who was, what was his name? Zachariah. He was a priest. Remember he was in the temple doing his temple duties inside the inner court on his own, right? When the angel appeared to him, there's no windows. Hey, what a moment that must have been. Real scary. But he was a priest, wasn't he? And, so, and, and, and the angel spoke to, to Zacharias about John 30 years previously, right? John's a big man now. See, John was from a long line of priests. <clears throat> Yet he wasn't functioning as a priest. As much as he was a prophet, even more than a prophet. He was qualified to be a priest, but he's also a prophet. We will hear Jesus' endorsement of him later on. Now this delegation has come from where? They've come from Jerusalem. And verse 29 says, this is all staged in a place called Bethany. Now, it's not Bethany that, if you know your Israeli geography, it's not the Bethany that everyone's familiar with, the Bethany where Mary and Martha come from. That's 1.5 kilometers away from Jerusalem. This is not that Bethany. Notice verse 28 says, it's across the Jordan River. It's possibly a, a place called um, Beth, Beth, Arbor, Beth Arbor or something like that. It's got a couple of different names. <clears throat> but the point is, it's across the River Jordan. <clears throat> that means it's east of the river. It's on the other side. It's across the border of Israel. Right? It's, if, it's actually in modern day... Do you know what's, what country is east of modern day Israel? Jordan. And then you've got Syria, further up north. And then down low you've got Saudi Arabia, massive. <clears throat> now this is possibly directly east of Jordan, excuse me, directly east of Jerusalem. And um, some, some, some commentators have said it actually might even be a little further, maybe even as far as Galilee, kind of east of Galilee, up, which is up north. Right? Jerusalem is in Judea, it's in the south. Um, but we're not sure exactly where it is. But we do know that it's not in Israel, it's on the eastern border. And obviously I stress that um, because I'm going to make a point of that. <clears throat> this is going to become significant in a moment. Just trying to set the scene, you know. Now John answers this heavyweight delegation who deemed it necessary to travel some distance. Meaning this was an incident of grave concern for them. For this group, the issue of a new spiritual leader apart from their group, was an issue. Like, who is this guy? 
And, and what, is, what does he think he's doing? I mean, apart from us, particularly. Now remember, it's been 400 years since the appearance of any legitimate prophet. True? Who was the last prophet? Prior to this? Malachi. 400 years and this gap between Malachi and the book of Matthew, the end of the Old Testament, the beginning of the New Testament, that 400 year period, they call it, because it's between testaments, the intertestamental period. 400 years. And we see John's response in verse 20. They want to like, like, who is this guy? All this time, no pro- Who is this guy? Verse 20. <clears throat> we see John's response. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. Can you see the emphasis? And he says, he says, I am not the Christ. Now, in this incident, John may have been tempted to exalt himself. You know what I'm saying? We see the emphasis on the fact that he didn't. Right? But he could have. He had a miraculous birth. Remember? He was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. He was a faithful Nazarite. I mean, his dad was a priest who saw and spoke to an angel. There's a lot that he could legitimately boast about with reference to himself. True? But he doesn't. He resists the temptation to focus on who he was, but rather on who he wasn't. See, and what do we do in, in such circumstances? You know what I mean? It's like, We'll talk about this in community group on Thursday. At, at, at LCM, um, we have a training day on a Thursday. And Alan Black was talking about sharing our testimonies. And he gave us four things that we need to think about when sharing our testimony and how we need to keep the testimony linked, fixed on Jesus and not ourselves. I'm not going to tell you what it is now. You come on Thursday, you'll find out. Amen. And be, in, be, invited to, be encouraged to come on Thursday. You know what I mean? Sometimes people say, you know, we don't get enough application on a Sunday when you guys are teaching. You know what I mean? You're not really kind of helping us to understand what it means to us. Hey, Thursday night is where we take opportunity to... It's not that we don't do that on the front of the pulpit, because I believe that we do. But Thursday night is the, is the chance for us to say, okay, we're looking at this space. What is... Not just what does it say, but what does it mean? And what does it mean to me? That's what we try to do on a Thursday night. So, if you want to get help on your testimony and keep it focused and centered on Jesus, then I'm saying come along. And we do need help. Because I know that I'm tempted to talk about me, myself and I. He, Jesus, must increase and I, John, must decrease. It's a healthy acknowledgement of personal insignificance in comparison to Jesus and that's not all that John does he also anticipates that these were asking if he was who the Christ they're wondering he, he knows that what they're asking him is are you the Christ <clears throat> and asked they would at this time in Israel's history they were anticipating the coming of the Messiah the coming of the Christ they had been doing so for centuries waiting for the anointed one waiting for this Ultimate king, because those terms are all synonymous for the same thing. Messiah, Christ, anointed one king. 
Second Samuel 7, we see that. We see it, Pastor E shared that a few weeks ago. We see that in Psalm 2. We see that in Psalm 110. It's in Psalm 113. Even, even way back before then, in Genesis 3.15, we see a promise from God of a specific, significant individual. And then we see that outworked as God calls Abraham and gives him the promise of his seed. Specifically, individually. So this is a promise that they were familiar with. Listen to, listen to Luke chapter 3 verse 15. It says, as the people were in what? Expectation. And all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. So John says, I am not the Christ. Which then leads to them asking John their next natural follow-up question. Verse 21. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? What does he say? He says, I am not. As well as anticipating the coming of Messiah, there was also this expectation of a few other special visitors. Elijah being one of them. In Malachi chapter 4, Verse 5 and 6, it says, Behold, now who's speaking? Behold, I, this is God, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Reading from the ESV. See the promise of Elijah coming? Well, we'll come back to Malachi 4 a little bit later. Matthew chapter 17. And the disciples, they ask him, that is Jesus. Then why did the scribes say that first Elijah must come? You see that they knew, they anticipated this, they knew this. Verse 11, he answered, Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Obviously this is a reference later on about John who's going to get killed. right? And the word witness actually means martyr. He's going to get killed. And the same thing is going to happen to the Lord Jesus. Verse 13. And the disciples understood that he was speaking to them with reference to Elijah about John the Baptist. Hmm. Huh. Luke chapter 1, verse 13 to 17. But the angel said to him, again, this is, this is who? This is Zechariah. The angel speaking to Zechariah. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Remember, they wanted to have a child. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John the, the Baptist. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord... And he must not drink wine or strong drink, Nazarite. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So it wasn't... It wasn't a literal manifestation of the original Elijah. 
but one who would be similar to Elijah. John answered correctly in that he wasn't a reincarnation of Elijah. I mean, John knew who he was and he knew who he wasn't. I mean, he was there when he was born, right? So, John answered correctly, and this is not a contradiction, because some would argue that this is a contradiction. John didn't know, but yes, he was. No, he... John answered... John knew he wasn't Elijah specifically, because hopefully when we get to heaven, John will be John and Elijah will be Elijah. Right? But he may not have been sure that he was a fulfillment in kind or in type. John actually, he even dresses like Elijah. I mean, he's got a camel skin bomber jacket and he's got a leather belt, right? He looks, he looks just like Elijah. And then to complicate matters, you have Elijah appearing later with who? Jesus and Moses at the transfiguration. And, it, and it's not John, it's, it's Elijah, right? Then in the book of Revelation, to further confuse us, you again have an Elijah and Moses type appearance before the apocalypse in Revelation chapter 11, which would fulfill the unfulfilled part of Malachi's prophecy in Malachi 4. I'll show you it again. Verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, but notice, before the great and the, or, the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So this is, it's, it's, like, it's, like a, it's, it's like a prophecy that has multiple fulfillments. You've got Elijah, here he comes, um, the real Elijah. And then John the Baptist is Elijah coming in the spirit and power of Elijah. But then later on, fast forward all the way to the end, the, like 2,000 years after John the Baptist, you've got another Elijah coming, and I'm saying, another Elijah type. And another Moses type, because it doesn't mention them specifically. It talks about one of them has the power to shut heaven and make it rain. And the other one has the ability to turn water into blood. Who done that? Moses. <clears throat> the Bible's deep. So therefore there are a few Elijah type appearances predicted. So back to our text. Unsatisfied with John's answer... They press him for a third time at the end of verse 21. Are you then the prophet? (laughs) So could he be the Christ? Could he be Elijah? Or could he be the prophet? John says, um, no. Um, no. (laughs) And then for a third time, uh, no. And who is this prophet person that's predicted? Deuteronomy chapter, ah, I should have asked you. <laughs> wow. Slam. Wow. Blam. Run, my brother. Deuteronomy 18. Actually, verse 15. <laughs> it says, the look. <clears throat> who's speaking? Moses, right? Remember, Moses wrote Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Old Testament called the Pentateuch. Moses, verse 15. The Lord your God. It's actually all speaking to Moses. The Lord your God will... No, actually Moses. The Lord your God, he says to the people, will raise up for you a prophet like who? Like me. Like me. From among you, from your brothers, it is to him you shall listen. Wow. Acts chapter 3 verse 22, referencing that Old Testament verse... 
And I think this is, is this Peter? Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 17. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, right? When they, when they killed Jesus, right? When they crucified him. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed to you, Jesus. You see how Peter's interpreting who Christ is? Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, remember, the Lord, your, the Lord God will raise up for you a what? A prophet. <coughs> Are you the prophet? A prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Have you begun to recognize who the first and third mystery characters are yet? Look at verse 22 of our text. So they said to him, hmm, who, who, who are you? If you're, none of the, if, you're, if you're none of the above, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What, what do you say about, you're telling us everything about, you know what I'm saying, who you're not. Who, tell us about who you are. Tell us about yourself. Verse 23 said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Notice how John describes himself. I am a what? A voice in contrast to the word. Note the similarity, but the clear distinction one is a conduit, the other is the content. One gives testimony to the other. And this is in direct fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. <clears throat> in Isaiah 40, a voice cries, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for who? Oh my goodness. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Why? Because he's coming. Who? God. He's coming. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places are plain. Nothing ain't stopping him from coming. And verse 5. And the glory of the Lord, wow, shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is Old Testament. I was talking to my son the other day, he's like, Dad, man, the disciples are heavy. Because they preach the gospel with no New Testament. Can you see how the Old Testament is making reference to the fact that the, that the word is going to become flesh and dwell among the people? This is, this is Isaiah 40. Further fulfillment to Malachi's prophecy about John slash Elijah, the Elijah type individual. Listen to Malachi 3 now, as opposed to what we read in Malachi 4. Malachi 3 verse 1. Behold, 
Notice the pronouns. Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before him. Does it say that? Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you, whom you seek, anticipating, will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So a messenger will go before the Lord. Who is this? It's John the Baptist. John the Baptizer. Who will go as a forerunner before God appears. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen, just like it says in Isaiah 40 verse 5, we have seen his what? His glory. Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. We have, they saw, they saw his glory. As of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. He, that is God, literally came to his temple. So verse 19 to 23 is John the Baptist, his response to this delegation, this official delegation, right? Who, verse 24, had been sent from the Pharisees. But notice, like, why mention this now? Why, why mention that? They'd been sent from, why not just mention it when you mentioned at the, at the beginning that they'd been sent in verse 19? Why mention it now? Well, you see, the Pharisees, as I began to explain, were an important and influential <clears throat> sect of the ruling authority in Israel. But John wasn't one of them. He, yet he's, he, yet he's, he's going around like he's got authority, Right? It's like he wasn't one of them and he hadn't graduated from their halls of academia. Like, who is this? Who does this? Who's this? Who is this brother? And because John isn't the Christ, he isn't Elijah, and he isn't the prophet. See, if, if John had identified himself as one of the recognized, anticipated special ones, he would have qualified as one having authority. But since this wasn't the case, verse 25, they asked him, then why are you baptizing? If you're neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, see, from their lofty point of view, John had no legitimate credentials. And baptism baptism wasn't unusual apart from in two instances. One, baptism was normally reserved for proselyte converts to Judaism. Never Jews, strictly speaking. You, you're a non-Jew, you're a Gentile, you, become a, you, you, want to be, you want to become a Jew, you want to become a part of the, the people of God, fine. You need to be, what, what's, what's, the, what's, what's one of the things that needs to happen? You need to be circumcised, but then you also need to be baptized. This is one of the traditions. You know what I'm saying? But 
that was a Gentile coming into the family of God. Never normally Jews. Circumcision, yes, but not baptism. And number two, the Gentile convert to Judaism would baptize or wash themselves. Here we're seeing Jews being washed and baptized by John. And that by John, not by themselves. You see how this is like, they're like, what on earth is going on here? Verse 26. John answered them, listen, the whole baptism thing. He says, look, I baptize with water. (laughs) But you know what? Among you stands one that you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. Now, how many times have we heard that? How many, or should I say? I was going to say, how many times have you heard that and not understood what that meant? I should have said, how many times have I heard that, read that and not understood what it said? Maybe, you're, maybe you join me, I don't know. John is saying, if you guys are struggling with me, you, you ain't seen nothing yet. You see, I'm the least of your concerns. There's someone else on the scene who eclipses me in stature. In those times, a disciple would do menial jobs for his teacher. Right? But tying the sandal straps, yo. It's like, I know I'm your disciple and that, but fam. I ain't trying to get down, you know what I'm saying, where your feet are smelly and they're cheesy and they're dusty because they're open toe sandals walking around in Jerusalem in the dust. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to untie or tie up your, nah. I'm your, but I'm your disciple and you're my, t- but that job was reserved for slaves. That explains why in the upper room, no one ain't trying to wash the feet. Car, hey, we're, not, we're, we're, in a, we're in a high facility. We're at the Holiday Inn. You know what I'm saying? It's an upper room. It's rented, Remember? That means there ain't a slave, it's not a house, a regular house, there's no slave to wash the feet. So everyone's like, yeah, okay, so we're here and you know, we, we need to eat and that, but boy, we need, the feet need to get washed, but who's, who's washed, I'm, I'm not washing the feet out, yeah? Who's washing the feet? It ain't me. And then obviously we know that Jesus takes the lower part, doesn't he? See? See, John is saying that I'm less than a slave in comparison, in contrast to the one who's coming after me. Jesus. John, and notice John has legitimate authority based on his prophetic call with reference to Isaiah and Malachi. We just read the Old Testament prophecies. He has got authority. But John pales in comparison to Jesus who's on another level of levels. At this point the Jerusalem delegation is silenced temporarily. We'll meet them again and again later in the book. Verse 28. These things took place where? In Bethany, across across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Remember where John is in terms of location. He's a voice crying out where? In the wilderness. Literally and metaphorically. He's on the other side of the Jordan. Does this sound familiar? Can you hear the echo? Where were God's people after leaving Egypt? When the original prophet, Moses, spoke to them. They were in the wilderness. On their way to where? 
the promised land. And they had to cross over what to get there? They had to cross the River Jordan to obtain the promise. Now this ought to have been a reminder for John's hearers. How long, how long had God's people been in captivity in Egypt before God sent them a deliverer, a saviour? Shout it out. 400 years. There's one reference, there's 430. Approximately 400 years. How long had God been silent? 400 years. Now fast forward to the time of John. In our text. How long had it been prior to John appearing since the last prophet? 400 years. How long for these Jews now had God been silent? No prophecy, no prophet since Malachi. How long? 400 years. And what was God about to bring to this lost and seemingly forsaken people? He was going to bring a saviour, wasn't he? Who, like Moses, was nearly killed at his birth. Who now, in similar fashion as an adult, like Moses, would deliver his people from slavery. But it's not slavery to Pharaoh, but slavery from the devil. Not slavery from Egypt, but slavery from sin. Remember, remember Moses baptized the people. Do you remember that? Some of you don't sound convinced. They go down into the Red Sea. Hmm. Sound tenuous, right? And then they come up out of the Red Sea. Be like, Robert, they never got wet. Well, they might have, because it was walls of water, right? But, you'd be, but you're not, you'd be like, oh, yes, maybe you're not convinced that... You're not convinced that it was a baptism, really? Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that our fathers were all under the cloud. Ooh, remember the cloud? Because when they came up out of the water, the cloud followed them. It was a pillar of fire by night and a, to keep them warm and give them light at night. And it was a pillar of cloud by day because in the de- cuz in the nighttime the did you know the temperature plummets it's freezing in the desert at nighttime so that's why they need the fire and they need the light cuz it's dark but the cloud during the day would do what protect them from the intense sunlight wow and the cloud i want you to know brothers that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were what baptized thank you into moses in the cloud and in the sea see and so is it any great surprise that John says what he says next in our text, verse 29? The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, oh my gosh. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here is now the height of John's witness, John's testimony. Jesus, the Lamb of God. And he would be the focal point of all previously mentioned lambs. Remember Genesis 22? Abraham offering his son, his only son, the son that he loved. We hear that come up again in John chapter 3. 
Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? He laid the wood where? On his son's back. On Isaac carried the wood up the hill on his back. What does that remind us of? This happened on the same hill where Jesus would be crucified thousands of years later, carrying as the son, the only son, the only begotten son, the son that God loved. He carried the wood up the hill. Genesis 22. Abraham said, when his son said, Dad, I see the knife and I see the wood. Oh, where's the sacrifice? Verse 8, Genesis 22. Abraham said, Son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a sacrifice. In some translations it says, God will provide himself a sacrifice. How about Exodus chapter 12 in the Passover? I've got to hurry. Moses told the people to kill a what? A lamb without blemish. It's too much. Can't unpack it all because we've got, we got the whole book to get through. He says, slaughter the lamb and splatter its blood on the wooden doorposts. What's the cross made of? And it possibly was in a shape if it was on the side lintel, both side lintels and then the top lintel, which is where the door frame is. It's in the shape of cross and then he says get in the house behind the blood on the basis that if you do that and you trust in that blood you'll be prepared you you'll be protected from death because of that blood wow isaiah 53 another example the suffering servant described how as a lamb isaiah 53 verse 6 all we like sheep have gone astray And we've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Jesus the lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus the lamb of God. He would be the culmination of. Of the Old Testament sacrificial system. My goodness. Listen to Hebrews 12, Hebrews 10. Starting at verse 1. Going to, starting at verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of... Uh, hmm, since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come. Instead of the true form of these realities. It can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year. Make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise... Would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. They only covered them temporarily. Verse 11, and every priest stands daily at his service. That's why the Jews have a problem now, because they have no sacrificial system. This is, what, this, this is how they trusted their sins were forgiven. They've got, they've got no sacrificial system because they've got no temple for 2,000 years. How many of you know the Jews have got a problem? It says, every priest stands daily, but they don't now, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin anyway. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Waiting from that time until his enemies ooh, should be made his footstool for his feet. It just switched. It moved from lamb to leader. It moved from lamb to what? To king. It moved from lamb to lion. Hey, 
He's a suffering servant, but he's also the king. He's the lamb, but he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. Verse 14, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Tell you, if your sins are forgiven in Jesus, that's an opportunity to say hallelujah. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. But by the time we get to John chapter 4, verse 42, it's becoming increasingly obvious that Jesus is set to be the Savior, not just of the Jews, but of the whole world. That's, that's good news. That's good news for us, that God has provided a means through which our sins are not just covered, but our sins are completely removed. And you know, sometimes even when you confess your sin as a Christian, you'll be like, Lord, forgive me, I've done it again. You feel like the sin's right next to you. Scripture says, God separates to help us. Sin, God, God separates our sins. How far? It's from the east is to the west. What a blessing he didn't say from the north to the south. How many of you know you can go to the North Pole? Did you know you can actually travel... It's a hard journey to the South Pole. But ha- yeah, anybody ever been to the East Pole? Any, anybody ever been to the West Pole? If you try and go to the East Pole, how <laughs> I many of you know you're, you're never going to get there? West Pole. You get you get the picture. That's how far God has separated our sins from us. If we've put our trust in the Messiah, in the Christ, in the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 30. This is the one. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man. Listen, you don't, you, you look, you look, don't understand. This is the one who... After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Pastor E said last week, wait a minute, how are you going to say that, John? John, you're six months older than Jesus. You were born before Jesus. John was born. John never existed until he was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Jesus, he came from heaven to earth. We sing. He came from heaven to earth to show. You know, I said to Harry Ram, I said I was so blessed by the singing, by the praise. I said I want to join the praise team. <laughs> I don't know if I got qualifications to join though with the singing, but Jesus came. You don't came unless you've been somewhere, right? John's saying, he existed before me. You lot, it's like, you lot, don't, you lot ain't, you're, you're not ready. You're not ready for Jesus. Where am I? See, he was before me. I am not Superman. Jesus is. Superman, HD. Jesus is human and he's the, he's the God man. John's fame was to be superseded. John was heavy. Even Jesus, like, yo, John, woo, like, whoo. Like, there's never been a prophet like John. 
But you know what? John's fame would be superseded by Jesus. And even John's, John's cool with it now. A little bit later, we're going to hear John struggle with it. Remember? And I think that speaks to us, in it? Because let's not pretend that we don't want to be in the spotlight. You know what I mean? I, I confess it all the time as sin. You know what I'm saying? When anyone, I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. It's like, when I'm not, when I'm not preaching, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, no one don't want to talk to me. <laughs> they want to talk to whoever's preaching. Sometimes when I'm preaching, no one don't want to talk to me. <laughs> but it's like, who doesn't want to be in the spotlight? We all want to be in the spotlight. You know what I mean? And, um, and it's something that we wrestle with, we struggle with, we battle with. And um, let's be encouraged. I think, I think sometimes we wrestle with that because we forget to see who Jesus is. You know what I'm saying? I forget my place sometimes. <coughs> you know what I mean? And um, I want to be elevated. Um, but in doing so, that doesn't elevate, elevate Jesus. You know what I mean? And um, so may God help us. May God help us in that regard. I've got to, I got to, I got to rush because I've got to finish. <clears throat> Verse 31. I myself, I did not know him. Even though I've been kicking it with him for 30 odd years. He's my cousin. I didn't realize. But for this purpose, I came baptizing with water. That he might be revealed to Israel. Imagine that. And imagine the humility of Jesus. Knowing who he was. I mean, I'd be tempted, like, just one day to just, you know what I mean? Just, just, give, them a, just give them a glimpse, you know what I mean, of who I am. Oh, that, for first, never, John never even had an inkling. The humility, the supremacy, yet the humility of Jesus. He's amazing. He, he, he's, he, he's worth worshipping. Straight. John had no idea until, until God revealed it to him at the proper time in order that he might, Jesus might be revealed to Israel. Verse 32, and John bore witness. He gave testimony, like someone in the dock. Tell us what you know. Tell us what you saw. Tell us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Lord, help us when we give our testimony. Lord Jesus, how many times have I embellished my testimony? Get to heaven, the Lord will be like, Robert, come here, I need to talk to you. <laughs> And John bore witness. He said, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove. And it remained on him. And you've probably heard, heard me say it before, I won't long it. But in I think it's Luke's gospel, he says, when John saw the Spirit descend, he did so in bodily fashion. Imagine what that must have looked like. You see this physical body come down into Jesus. But like a dove, it was graceful. You know what I'm saying? It didn't just... It was right? Like a dove would flutter down. What a sight that must have been. Verse 33. I myself did not know him. Again, he says... He could have he elevated... He could, John could have been like, hey, yeah... Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, what, the Messiah, the Christ. Yeah, man. Yeah, man and, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but he, you see what he, you see what's emphasized and what's de-emphasized. He says, "I myself, I did not know him." 
But he who sent me to baptize with water, that's all I knew, said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with that same Spirit. See, in times past, the Holy Spirit, he'd come upon a prophet, he'd come upon a priest, he'd come upon a king for a duty, he'd come upon a judge like Samson. But he didn't remain. He says, the one who, this is distinct, this is significant. John says, I baptize with water. How many of you know this is like an object lesson? Let me take you back to children's ministry. An object lesson, this whole baptism and water coming down and cleansing and washing. It's a natural earthly example of a a spiritual and more significant reality. Number one, there's two things. Number one, I will be done, nearly. The first thing is water cleanses. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It's not literal, but spiritual. It's a picture of what God does by the Spirit. And number two, how many of you know water cleanses, but number two, water is life-giving. It's the one thing we can't, you can go without food, like for, for, for weeks, I don't go a couple days without drinking water. You'll die. Water is life-giving. Tight water. Oh, Brent's, is Brent here? Brent's here. This is, I know this is one of Brent's favorite verses. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and 6. This is one of the verses I learned way back like when I first became a Christian. I learned it in the King, not even New King, I learned it in King James, but here, the ESV. Titus 3, verse 4 through 6 says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our saviour, there's another reference to Jesus being God he saved us, not because of works done by us in in righteousness, because we have no righteousness but he did it according to his own mercy, how? by the washing of regeneration, that's the new birth, we'll talk more about that in John 3 and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he notice the language, who he poured on us hear the baptismal metaphor? richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Again, we're going to hear more about this when we get to John chapter 3, when we get to John chapter 7. I baptize you with literal water, but Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Verse 34, our last verse. And I've seen, and I've borne witness, testimony, that I am not Superman, but Jesus is. This is the Son of God. This is the Son of God. We talked extensively today about Jesus being the Lamb of God. Next week we'll look further at the term Son of God. Both will be mentioned again in the ensuing text. As this Gospel of John seeks to convince us to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. Shall we pray? I'm going to invite the band to come and join me. Father, thank you.
that you give us the opportunity and the privilege to bear witness, to bear testimony. This is not just a story back in the past about some people that we've heard about. They are real people, had real lives and lived in a real place, historically speaking. Thank you, Lord God, that this is just as current and just as relevant to us as it was to them. And that is that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. Father, would you help us as we've been helped to help others to see this truth by allowing our lives to be a testament, by allowing our lives to be a letter, a, 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 a living letter, a living epistle that others might read our lives and hear about Jesus. Father, that you would help us to be a voice, a conduit, Lord. In ourselves, we can do nothing. But we can be a conduit. We can be the funnel. We can be the channel through which the wonderful content flows. And that we might be like John and and declare, even in this wilderness in which we're living. Lord, not everything that glitters is gold. Everything sparkles and shines in this world, but Lord, it's a wilderness. Mm. Pray that you'd help us, Lord God, to be a witness to their testimony for the glory of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To find out more about us, visit our website at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at CC South London. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.